Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan, and welcome to part four of our continuing series in which we are reading through a game publishing agreement generously provided to the world by publisher Raw Fury at the end of 2020. Now, if you haven't followed this series yet, this is going to be a long-form 10-part series in which we look at every section of the contract. We've already talked about intellectual property ownership, in which under this publishing contract, the developer is going to own the intellectual property, what obligations the developer has to deliver the game, how that works in this contract, and what obligations the publisher, Raw Fury, has to market the game to hold up its end of the bargain so that it can get a portion of the profits when all is said and done. But it also is not just a publishing contract, but a developing agreement. So when Raw Fury says, hey, enter into this agreement with us, they're also going to be funding portions of the development of the game. So today we're going to talk in part four about what that funding looks like and how the developer has to pay it back. As part of that, we are going to be looking at definitions. We're going to be looking at other things related to sections of the agreement that we have talked about before, all of which will be on your screen for you to check out as we go through this. But let's begin. So we're going to start with section eight. This is where the publisher, Raw Fury, actually says, we're going to give you some money. It says, publisher agrees to make funds available to developer for the sole purpose of assisting developer in the development and delivery of the game. So that's Sounds good, right? It's doing a little bit extra from a legal perspective. It's saying, all right, when we talk about this money, this isn't supposed to go to pay for your Florida vacation or your yacht or your brand new car. This is going towards development and delivery of a game. Now, that all blends together a little bit, especially when you're talking about small shops, because you're going to be paying salaries for people to make the game. And those salaries can, of course, on the individual basis, pay for that Florida trip or that new car. But the company is supposed to be focused on spending this money not just not on those kind of extra things, but also not to use it to subsidize a different game they might be working on, which you might be familiar with in some news stories uh, that have gone around the video game industry where maybe some publishers were taking some of the money from one contract and using it on something else that they were working on and doing various things with license rights, etc. They say this money is for making the game. The funds will consist of the initial advance and additional advances. You see both of those terms are capitalized, right? Capital I, capital A, and then two capital A's in additional advances. So those are defined terms, which we're going to look at. And those two defined terms together, initial and additional, add up to what we're going to call in this document, the total principal amount. Now, principal is a word that you may or may not be familiar with, but suggests it's a loan, right? You see the word principal when you're talking about promissory notes or debt instruments. And so, hey, we are advancing this money to you. We're going to use this agreement like it's a note, like it's a loan to you. We're going to establish a total principal amount, and then you shall repay it to publisher together with the capital M, capital U markup according to section 12, which we'll be talking about as part of this video. But ultimately, what they're saying is we're going to give you some money and you're going to owe it back to us at a markup that you'll pay back according to a different section. How are they going to pay it out? Well, that total principal amount, which remember consists of the initial advance and additional advances, shall be paid in two separate sets, sets of payments. The first, publisher shall pay the initial advance to developer upon execution of this agreement. So you sign this up, you're going to get a chunk of change. Then, subject to adjustment or termination of the agreement, which we'll talk about as well, publishers shall pay additional advances to developer as previously specified in this agreement. 
So we've got all those capitalized words. And we talked about definitions in the first video of this series, but it's always useful to go back and look at those words when they come up while you're reading the agreement itself. So we see the initial advance is really just a number. It's bracketed here. It's highlighted in yellow. It says number, dollar sign, XXX will be invoiced on the effective date, as well as paid to you on the effective date pursuant to that section eight. So you're going to agree on a set amount of money that Raw Fury will pay to you if you're developing a game for them, that they will hand over, they will wire to you when you sign the contract with them. Additionally, these additional advances will be in some aggregate number, totaling number dollar sign XXX, that will be paid in monthly payments paid out before the fifth working day of every month for a period of X months starting on date whatever. And so we're going to say, all right, we're probably going to need another year of runway. And we think that'll be another $100,000 or more, whatever that number is. And then we divide that by the number of months in that time frame, And we're now going to get a monthly payment from you to continue making this game. Now, remember, if you recall from earlier in the series, they also have obligations to continue working on the game and to make periodic reports to Raw Fury that Raw Fury confirms means they're on the right track. Why is that important? Well, because Raw Fury can take away this advanced concept, as we will see in the next couple of sections. But before we get there, it's also worth noting that total principal amount, which we already saw defined in section eight, means what it says. It says the sum of initial advance and additional advances, i.e. this big number in total, in addition to adjustments, is that total principal amount. And then you see highlighted in red where the rubber really hits the road, if you're on the developer side, that markup. Because remember, according to Section 8, you're going to owe not just the money they actually paid to you that they wired into your account, but a markup. And what does that markup start out as here in the form of document that Raw Fury proposes? 15% calculated on total principal amount. So there's a couple of things I want to say about this. One, 15% is a relatively high number, right? 15% is suggestive of what they view as a risky loan. If you went and got a bank loan, it probably wouldn't be 15%, depending on what your business was doing. And maybe that's something that you would pursue if you're a developer, instead of just signing up for the development bucks from the publisher, maybe they have a publishing agreement version of this that doesn't have this kind of concept in it. You maybe get a better deal from a bank, or maybe you fund it with your own money. You bootstrap the company, or you have a friends and family capitalization round that can hopefully get you over the hump. Or... Because this is a form document, this is where Raw Fury starts. You say, okay, I like a lot of this. 15% is a little high. What do you feel about 12 or 10? And it will depend on what exactly you're offering to them, what conversations you've had, how Raw Fury feels about the possibility that they're going to make a lot of money publishing this game with you. But that is contract negotiation. Anytime you really see a number anywhere, even if it's not kind of bracketed and has XXX listed, is the kind of thing that a lawyer will talk with you about and potentially negotiate across the table. The document as presented is effectively a starting point. Now, maybe Raw Fury, as it turns out, feels very strongly that they want to have a 15% effective return on investment for this money, which isn't entirely a return on investment, because as we'll see, if the game never sells, if it just doesn't work, they will mostly lose the rights to the money. It doesn't kind of accrue against the party, the company in question. It's only to be paid out of those royalties that would otherwise be received for the revenues of the game, which means that Raw Fury is taking a bet on you, just like if you're a developer, you're taking a bet on them. The other thing I would note is it's not really an interest rate. 
it looks a lot like one, right? We're using the term total principal amount. We're talking about it like it's a debt instrument. You'd oftentimes see, oh, it's a 6% interest rate or a 10% or 15% interest rate. But that would accrue over a course of years. This markup is both better and worse than that. It doesn't have a time frame. If you were to get all this money and deliver the game in two months, then it's still a 15% markup, which makes it a much higher number if we're thinking about it over a yearly basis. Or if it got delayed and it was going to take you 15 months to deliver, it's not more than the 15%. It didn't accrue again. It's just a 15% flat, straight line markup of the money they have given to you. So this is one of those areas, and this is going to be really the theme of this video, I think, that you have to go through if you're on the developer side and really work through a business plan and figure out what is the most likely scenario in which you're going to sell these games. What's Raw Fury telling you? What are your other advisors telling you? Figuring out what that number looks like, and that will help you determine what amount of money you can take at a cost of a 15% markup. And that's a very important part of the process, because as we'll see when we're talking about actually getting money out of this entire relationship, Raw Fury gets its money back first, which isn't unusual. It's not untowards. It's normal for an agreement like this. But you have to be able, if you're on the developer side, to game plan around, okay, they have to get all that money back first. What does it mean for this game to sell successfully? What does it mean to not sell successfully? What danger am I in if I have to wait a certain amount of months for them to recoup their investment and only then share money with me? And that's why you negotiate these things. That's why you really have to think through the financial implications of your deal in a way that if you're just in the business of making games, you're a great level designer, you're a great game designer, you're a great artist, whatever it might be. This is when you start to need not just a lawyer's help, but also potentially a chief financial officer's help, some kind of financial representative's help to really work through the business plan and the business side of things with you, because that's going to make or break you depending on what happens to sales and even Raw Fury doesn't exactly know what's going to happen. They have their thoughts. They've certainly been doing this a long time. You'll have your thoughts and you can kind of frame out what your best and worst case scenarios are, but you need to understand what those possibilities are really, really well before you sign on the dotted line and promise to pay back their money plus 15%. Continuing with the agreement itself, we see that there are possibility of adjustments. We saw that referenced in section eight and here's how it works. It says, upon written request by developer, publishers shall reduce the amount of the additional advances to the amount requested by developer. So this is the starting point. Publisher doesn't have any problem with you asking for less money. They aren't really in the business of just trying to go and get that 15%. Raw Fury isn't a bank. They aren't trying to make their entire return on investment solely from getting that 15% markup. It is nice for them, obviously, if the game wall works out and they get that money back, but they are more interested in getting that game out to market and sharing in the revenues from there. So they say, okay, if you are looking at your development plan and think that you need less money than we had agreed to when we signed the document and things change, video games are hard, but sometimes things just work out really, really well and you need less money from us, we will reduce the amount if you ask us. We, we, we won't mandate that you take this money so that we can get a higher 15% markup. Now, on the other side of things, developer may request to adjust the additional advances to a higher total value. Hey, we're going to need some more money, Raw Fury, and or request to adjust the distribution of additional advances. Now, that is really designed in this particular portion of the sentence to suggest, okay, we want the money to stay the same, the aggregate amount, but you're paying it monthly. We need a little bit faster money because we're going to hit X, Y, or Z commercialization milestone, and we're going to need that money a little bit in advance. Raw Fury says, hey, we'll take that under advisement. You can certainly ask us, 
but we get to approve that. It says, but approval of any such requested adjustment to a higher value or adjustment of the distribution of additional advances will be at publisher's sole discretion, which again is the legal standard that says it's entirely up to us. We don't even have to necessarily be reasonable in that discretion. It's like, nah, we just don't want to advance it faster or we don't want to increase it and we don't necessarily have to give you a reason. Now, in a publishing relationship, they probably will, but they aren't obligated under the legal document to do so. This section also talks about what adjustments are going to happen naturally. Six months from the effective date, six months after you sign up with Raw Fury, the parties, you and Raw Fury, shall review the additional advances with the goal of potentially adjusting either or both amount or duration of further payments. So we're going to look at this. How are we doing? That reporting that you've been doing to Raw Fury, how does the money look? Is it going to get you across the finish line? Is it not? Is it potentially too much? Which everybody's happy about that. Under the same terms that apply in this agreement for additional advances. So we're going to look at just what we've otherwise agreed to, and we're going to reevaluate. At the same time, the parties shall review the final delivery date. That makes sense, right? We're looking at how much money you need, how much runway you have. We're also looking at what kind of time frame you're looking at delivering this product at. We've got a date that you're obligated to deliver it to us, but maybe that's working, maybe that's not. Everybody understands that we guessed at what that time frame would be, and if you need more time, then this is when you have to talk to them about it specifically. Any adjustment shall fall under the same terms that apply in this agreement for final delivery date. So if we change that date, it'll still be applicable as if we'd agreed to it at the front end, but we can adjust it so it's a different delivery date that you have to hit. Any adjustment to either additional advances or final delivery date shall be supported with a written description from developer that justifies the adjustment. This is a little bit of extra paperwork that you have to do, but again, I think we can see why Raw Fury would require it in this context. They say, okay, we need a little bit more time to hit a little bit later delivery date, or we need a little bit more money or something else. Then you have to put together probably a fairly short document that says, this is what that extra time is going to get you. This is what that extra money is going to buy you. And then they say that written description becomes a part of the capital V vision, which if you recall, is the description in the legal document that is talking about what this game is. So you'll be adding paragraphs or another couple of pages to what the game is to show exactly what that vision is going to be, what Raw Fury is effectively buying as adjusted six months from the effective date. Now you'll note, this isn't a repeating process. Some agreements like this would say six months and then every three months thereafter. Most of what you see in this agreement suggests that Raw Fury wants to be in the business of publishing a game that is relatively close to market. You see this looked at six months after the effective date. They aren't really framing this agreement out as something like a four-year development cycle right from the beginning. It's something different. Probably have something worked on a little bit, or it's a smaller project, which if you go and you look at Raw Fury's page, makes sense. They aren't necessarily publishing AAA games. That's not the business that they are in. And so they want to be a part of that process. They want it to be a shorter term process. You will see different terms and more repetitive phraseology that'll say every three months or whatever if you're looking at a $100 million deal. If you're looking at perhaps the Bungie Activision contract that we've gone through in virtual legality, you can check out that video on the channel just by searching. But this is a kind of smaller approach, and I think it works well. It just does mean that if there are significant delays, if there are significant roadblocks, the document itself doesn't deal with that situation very well, other than to suggest that adjustments can be asked for, and then ultimately in the next section we'll see that Raw Fury can end the whole thing if it isn't happy with how things are going. Since the party's goals and ambitions are to release the game in such a state that is deemed of high quality by both parties, 
And I highlighted that in blue because we haven't actually gotten to the legally operative portion of the sentence, right? This is just kind of a preamble. Hey, we all agree that we're trying to make a good game here. And that's nice. Raw Fury, as we've talked about in earlier videos in this series, likes to do that, likes to add a little bit of color in whatever section we're looking at to show that they're partners and to make the other developer on the other side of the table feel like that partnership is real. And I don't have any problem with that, but it doesn't actually do anything from a legally operative standpoint. Developers shall raise requests for adjustments of additional advances as soon as developer is able with the aim to understand what the additional funds and or time would be used for. And then I didn't highlight the section that says this is to facilitate a conversation in good faith. Again, it's not terribly useful. They say, well, you will report, you will ask for more money or more time. You'll do these various things as soon as you know something is wrong. Oh my gosh, this came back. It's not working. We know we're going to need more than three months from now until the final delivery date. That's when you pick up the phone and talk to Raw Fury. And ultimately, if you don't do that, this is the kind of thing that they could potentially bring up as a breach. And, and not that they would necessarily, but if you try to hide it from them, if you hold it, you say, oh, we knew that this was going to be a problem two months ago. Raw Fury says, hey, now we all agreed that you would tell us as soon as this was a problem. And not only is that kind of a contractual potential for breach, it's a bit of a trust breach. So you want to keep track of what obligations you have as a developer. And here, once you know the timeline isn't working, once you know you're running out of cash runway, once you know something else is wrong, that's when you have to pick up the phone to talk to Raw Fury. And again, that seems to make a lot of sense. Now, here's that section 11 that I talked about earlier. Publishers shall have no obligation to pay the additional advances. Now, that's a frightening phrase, right? We just talked about the fact in an earlier section that Raw Fury will be paying you this monthly amount. They agreed to it in section 8. And then section 11 swings along and says, actually, we're not obligated to pay that money. And what does that mean? Well, we can read the rest of the section and see on 30 days after delivering a written notice to developer, they can suspend or terminate the additional advances. So they'll give you 30 days warning, which if you're keeping track of the time frame, at least in the default agreement, means they'll have to pay at least one more additional advance payment. They can then terminate the additional advances. Now you might also think, okay, that's big trouble. Because if I need that runway and I need that cash to move along to commercial release and I'm signed up to an exclusive deal with Raw Fury, that could really burn me because now I can't pay my people. I can't get that game done and I also can't release it out into the marketplace. So what do I do? And Raw Fury does the right thing here at the end of this section and says, if we terminate that, if we cut off the additional advances that we otherwise agreed to, we have the right to do that. But if we do, then this agreement is effectively terminated you no longer have given us the exclusive right to publish your game. You can start shopping it around. You can figure out what direction to take it. Now, obviously, nobody wants to wind up in Section 11. This is Raw Fury unhappy and deciding not to put good money after bad. They don't like the direction this whole thing is going, and it's effectively a breakup of the marriage. But it's the right way to handle something like this. Certainly, they don't want to be on the hook for money that they now think is just going to be burned in a hole, but also the developer doesn't want to be stuck in a situation where Raw Fury is maybe wrong. They made the wrong choice. You think that your product is going to be great, and yeah, you're having a few hiccups, and you can get it across the finish line and make everybody money. Raw Fury no longer believes in you, which means that you don't want to be in a partnership with them anyway, and so it's a good thing that the agreement will be effectively terminated if Raw Fury ever hits that button. So... I know there's a lot of frightening language here. This ultimately isn't a bad thing or a bad set of uh, terms, even though it does look bad when they say we aren't obligated to pay those additional advances. Ultimately, 
any given publisher is going to be able to hold back that money on a monthly wire and just decide that you're in breach or do other bad things. So this actually framing out what happens in that circumstance, believe it or not, is probably a better, cleaner way for developers to understand what's going on and to ultimately have more rights at the end of the relationship. Then we get to what everybody's interested in, developer funding and repayment. Before we talk about the language here, one of the things I tell, not clients necessarily, but perspectives or people that don't wanna pay for a lawyer and are dealing with their own contracts is one, hire a lawyer, always a good idea. But also, if you just don't have the time or inclination, or you're just trying to look at things yourself, absolutely 100% go into the document and search for terms like dollars, USD for United States dollars, the dollar sign, pay, repay, payment, indemnification, some other things where you can at least track what obligations in money they have to you, you have to them, and where you can really have exposure risks on a monetary level. Now, that's not going to be a fulsome review of your document. That's not going to get you where you really want to be if you're running a business and really paying attention to your potential liability, but it is going to get you the big high-level items, the bullet points that say, okay, I'm going to owe money on this score, and they're going to owe me money on this score, and that's important. And if you did that, if you did that search, you would 100% find yourself in developer funding repayment and have the discussions that we just talked about in section eight. Publishers shall deduct the total principal amount from gross revenue. All the money it gets from the game will be deducted until 100% of that total principal amount plus the markup has been recovered. So if they lent you $100,000 in initial advances and additional advances, then you owe them $115,000 off the top before you get a dime. At which point, after you've paid them back, developer funding shall be considered fully repaid. Just to be clear, and this is to Roth Theory's credit, no revenue is shared with developer until total principal amount plus markup has been fully repaid. You do not get money until we get those development dollars back. Now, that's all well and good unless something goes wrong. The next paragraph talks about that. If this agreement is terminated before total principal amount plus markup has been repaid to publisher, and developer license sells, distributes, or in any other way exploits the capital G game, this thing that you were building for Raw Fury, then developer shall pay to the publisher 70% of the gross revenue received by developer from the licensing sale, distribution, or other exploitation of the game, and 50% of the gross revenue received by developer from the licensing sale, distribution, or other exploitation of any work based upon or derived from the game, such as, but not limited to, sequels, prequels, or ancillary products. Those are those posters and soundtracks and strategy guides that we talked about in an earlier video. So what is this doing? This is saying, look, that $115,000 that we hypothetically know that you owe Raw Fury, if we terminate this, we say we cut off the additional advances, we still wound up at the 115 just for the sake of math, you owe us that money, but you can go and sell your game. So if you go and you sell that game that we clearly had a portion of developing, we you owe us $115,000 because you have $100,000 of our cash, then when you go and sell that game out into the marketplace, you don't owe us every dime like you do if we were just publishing it, but you only get to collect 30% of that for yourself and 70% comes to us until we hit that $115,000 milestone. Now that's all fun, well and good for just the game, but maybe you're also selling strategy guides or hats or posters or soundtracks, or maybe you did a prequel or a sequel and we still haven't been paid our money. Well then for those kind of derivative works as they define it here, you have to pay 50%. We share it 50-50 when that's out in the marketplace until we get our money back. 
That's this last red part of the language here. Until the total amount paid by developer to publisher equals the total principal amount plus that markup. Now, they also do a good thing here by establishing a question that I would have had if I were sitting in the room. Games that share only technology with the capital G game shall not be considered derivative works. In other words, if you have an engine, let's say you built something like Frostbite or Snowdrop, and it's just a great engine, using that engine for a completely different game that doesn't share the intellectual property that Raw Fury in no way funded or helped make, you can use that engine to make that other game and you don't owe them the 70 or the 50. That's not what this is about. And that's a nice thing. That's a nice bit of clarifying language that is put in the form here. Payments according to this section 12 shall be delivered to publisher within 30 days after receipt by developer. So understand how this works, right? You've finally gotten the game across the finish line, probably after a little bit of time, once this agreement was terminated and they hadn't been fully paid back. And now when you get a dollar in, 70 cents goes to them and 30 cents goes to you until they're fully paid off. The 50% is a nice savings clause, but you're probably not going with prequels or sequels. It might affect the real ancillary products, those hats and posters and soundtracks and things. But until they get all their money back, you are not getting every dollar that goes out into the marketplace. The other problem is potentially you would have signed up with another publisher that's taking its own pound of flesh to get this thing to market for you. So you really have to start keeping track if one of your agreements fails that everybody is getting the amount of money that they need and that your business still is viable and makes sense with whatever that new agreement might be. So obviously, just like section 11, nobody wants to be here. Rough Fury isn't signing up an agreement with you in order to terminate it and then get the 70 and 50 because they aren't collecting the big upside. If they cut you off and your thing sells like gangbusters, they aren't participating in the revenue share, which we'll talk about in the next video. They're just getting their money back out. And that's not what Raw Fury wanted anyway. So nobody's happy about being in this paragraph, but certainly if you're on the developer side, you gotta be aware of the situation and understand that you are now working with less than a full dollar for every dollar that you might make for yourself or the next publisher that you would have to sign up. The last thing here in this section talks about that 30 days, right? When you get that dollar, you have a month to pay them. That's normal. That's kind of a net 30 concept for any vendor contract. And if you don't, any late payments under this agreement will accrue additional interest at the rate of 2% per month. That's 24% per year. And that's a high number. And this is another kind of number, which we saw markup was 15%. We might try to negotiate that down. I would say the standard that I see in vendor contracts for late terms is generally a, a percent and a half. 1.5% or an 18-month effective late fee. That might be something that we try to talk them down on if we were sitting in the room with Raw Fury. It always depends on who has leverage and what everybody's willing to negotiate. But these are form document concepts and 2% isn't unconscionable. It's not a crazy number. I see that from time to time. The other concept you see here is that partial months are treated as full months. So even if you pay them on day 62, you owe them three months of interest and not two months of interest. And so you got to keep track of those things as well. For the avoidance of doubt, any and all repayment under this section 12 shall solely be related to revenues received or generated from selling, exploiting, distributing, or licensing the game or the ancillary products, or any work based upon or derived from them. So also, this is a good paragraph for the developer that again provides that clarity. One thing that could have happened here is that the money that goes into the developer has to be paid by whatever means the developer might find, or maybe even the founders, depending on whether a personal guarantee document had to be entered into by those individuals. Instead, Raw Fury basically says, we're going to share some of the risk here. They say, okay, we're going to put $100,000 into your company. And if 
for whatever reason, we just totally misjudge the market. You and we both. It goes out there and only Hogue buys it. Just one copy sold. We're clearly not getting our $100,000, let alone our 115 out. You're probably not too happy as a company either. Then we're not going to attach the amount that you owe to us for this game to other things. It doesn't get attached to whatever accounting program you might also be making. It doesn't get attached to other aspects of your life. We're taking a bet that this game's going to make that money back. We wouldn't be giving you the money if we didn't think that. You're taking that same bet in trusting us to market it and get it out there. If the number doesn't hit where we think it should be, then we don't get that money back. Now, of course, the really bad thing is if they don't get their money back, then you don't get any money at all, right? They get whatever portion they can collect from the sales of the game of the money that you owe them, that total principal amount plus the markup but it never goes over that threshold. The bucket never fills up and never starts being shared with you. Adding to that concept is also what we talked about briefly last week in terms of service spend. Now, this doesn't relate specifically to development of the game, so this doesn't go into the markup bucket, but it says that when publisher puts forth service spend, which if you remember from the definitions, is amounts spent on things like quality assurance, localization, voiceover, age rating, and it will be a maximum amount up to an agreed upon sum with some flexibility for Raw Fury to decide that more is needed, as we talked about last week. Once they pay that, that also gets deducted before the developer makes any money. Publisher will deduct the service spend from gross revenue until 100% of the service spend has been recovered. So the good part about this from the developer's perspective is that that service spend is specifically in a different bucket. So it it doesn't have a 15% markup put on it, but the principal amount, the markup to the principal amount and the service spend all have to come out of the gross revenues of what has been sold, your game on the marketplace before you see a dime from those sales. And so that's funding the game. That's one of the most important aspects that developers and publishers have to negotiate about what this looks like. If money is going to change hands, how do I get it back? And here you see 100% to raw fury with no kind of trickling over to the developer until they've been 100% paid back. That's something that could be negotiated. I think the structure of this document suggests that it is built to have this. Raw Fury gets fully paid back before developer makes a dime. But if you're a developer that says, I'm not comfortable with that, you can see alternatives. You can see splits where you have essentially a tiering where they get 80% until they've been paid back half. And then they get 60% until they've been paid back three quarters. And then they, we split it 50-50. Whatever it might be, you can negotiate those kinds of things Different publishers, different entities, different people on the other side of the table are going to have different sensitivities to that because they are taking on a certain amount of risk. And I think every developer needs to acknowledge that when the publisher puts that money in, they're taking a risk, much like the developer itself is taking a risk. And they want to get that money back before they start sharing quote unquote profits, because from the publisher side of things, there aren't any profits until they get that money back. Now, they've got that 15% markup. Maybe that's another discussion item you could have with them. But ultimately, that's what funding the game is about. That's what development looks like. And it's not an unusual set of terms. And in fact, there are a number of things which I think you heard me talk about that are good for the developer. But at the end of the day, the most important thing to take away from this video is that you have to have that good business plan. You have to do some of that Excel spreadsheet work. You have to understand the math to know whether a deal makes sense on the terms that are being offered from the publisher in question. So that's funding the game. Next time, 
in this series, we're going to be talking about actually sharing those profits, what that looks like. And this was the last section where we're really going to be talking about a lot of sections of the agreement at once. So the remainder of the parts are going to be a little bit more focused on very specific questions. But I thought for the first four parts of this series that it made the most sense to really combine the topics into what we can understand as owning, delivering, marketing, and funding. So that's been Virtual Legality for today. Please do, if you like these videos, like, subscribe, ring bells, tell people that we are here. I'm actually very proud of this series. I think it's coming along very well. If you like it, leave a comment, leave a like, leave a dislike if you don't like it, but also leave a comment on what you don't like and see if we can improve it for the remainder of the series. And tell folks we're having this conversation because I really think Raw Fury's done a great thing by having a document like this just out there for folks like me to analyze. And I would love to have more folks engaged with this content because I think it's going to be very valuable to a large number of people. Otherwise, if you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.